What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, those of you that are still left, we are we are a proud few. Yes, we are. Um, it is, of course, the Knicks Film School podcast. How are you? I'm still upbeat because, hey, tomorrow's always a better day. Unless, of course, it's not and it's worse. Um, but we're not going to talk. I'm going to talk about that here because today we're talking about the NBA draft. And of course, if we're talking about the NBA draft, that means we are going to have my my good friend. I'm so proud to call you a friend. I, I mean that um, Spencer Perlman. He also happens to be um, I'm going to you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say it. The best draft analyst not currently working for an NBA team. I don't even think that's hyperbolic. Um, so, yeah, that's how I'm going to introduce you. What are you going to do with it? I mean, I actually would consider you a friend also. And I think that's pretty cool. It's funny how it just kind of like started on Twitter too. And then, yeah. Um, when you had that really, it was kind of a, it wasn't bizarre, but your original avatar was like, um, was it literally an eye? Uh, no, it was, it was like, it was a mix between like a basketball and an eye. That's, like that's it, it was, what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Front office eye. Front office um, eye, baby. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean, start I'm, introducing you as the front office eye from now on. I actually disbanded that website because they were gonna charge me again, and the only thing that I had on there it was like I think I had a giant eye. My Lucas scouting what a, a giant eye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all watching. Yeah, um, it was like my old scouting reports. I had like four or five of them up there, and then like a couple of like mini articles, but it wasn't anything good. So I was like, it's not worth it. Uh, I think that is, I think that is wise when we w- listen, we'll, when we take over the world one day, we'll have a new brilliant website that encompasses all of the things that we do and we'll get other, other content creators on there and it'll just be like, it, it'll be like the ringer, but better. And, uh, our low eye of the world, the eye of the world. I think it's great. Um, okay. We're here to talk about the draft, but I, I, I sprung a question on you. Um, literally five minutes ago, and I asked you if you wanted to answer it, um, and you said yes. So I'm going to start um, with this. Um, I've been thinking a lot about because I anybody who listens to this and reads the newsletter knows that I've been um, pretty hard on the the front office and the team generally over the last I don't know two three weeks maybe a little bit more, and and every time I watch them, I. There's a segment of every, and I know you don't watch every single Nick game because you're you're busy watching college. Um, but every time I watch the Knicks, there's a segment of every game where I'm like, God, they look like they're so close to looking 
there are moments where they look even more than competent. And I'm like this, and I even wrote about it today. It's like, I could see a world where this team, like this roster was like a tweak or two away from being not like good, but like, you know, competent. So my question that I asked if I could ask you, and you said I could, is if you could have made one adjustment to their summer. Um, So I guess basically eliminate one signing that they made and replace it with um, somebody else that they could have reasonably gotten. So like not, not Kawhi Leonard, um, what would you do? And and you said you have, you, you mentioned some names originally, but now you say you have a new answer for me. So who is it? So this, I guess would require us to get rid of two players. Okay. I'm pretty sure people would be more than happy, like getting rid of um, like elf and Portis. Okay. So <laughs> um, we're getting rid of 23 point, something million dollars for who Malcolm Brogdon Ooh. and I know I know there's the injury risk because he's played like 35 games this year and last year I think he was sub 70 and the year before that I think he was above 70 but then his rookie year was like 48 um but I think he'd be such a good fit next to RJ and then having those two guys is like either you're one and two or you're one and three or you're two and three going forward would be pretty pretty nice can I tell you something that I don't want to admit, but I have to? You just made me feel like an idiot because that is, it's not even like one of the most obvious, it is the obvious answer. It is, it actually, I would say it's probably the only, they, like, that question wouldn't seem to have a, a quote unquote right answer, but I think Malcolm Brogdon is the right answer. Um, what has he missed? He's been, he missed about eight and nine, missed a couple recently, and then he just came back and had, played 35 minutes and scored 15 points for a, a win. Yeah. God, this team with Brogdon. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be pretty fun. No, I'm not like, going to be able to sleep tonight. So many different variations. They got like Frank at the one, Malcolm at the two. Oh, it, it works on you, so many. And, he, and he's not even hitting from three this year. He's only at 34% from deep, but there's like, he's still playing well. Yep. Ugh. Like I actually think you could make this team. Pretty like if you replace Alfred with Alfred and Bobby with uh, Brogdon, this is this could be a playoff team or if you got, definitely significantly closer than now. If you got Randall to buy into like some semblance of like like I mean, look, this isn't me saying it. Fucking Zach Lowe said it in his column literally a week ago. Uh, I think his exact words were: "Julius Randall needs to stop doing whatever he's doing and play like winning basketball." So it's not me, folks. <laughs> it's 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 Zach Lowe. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'd be here for that. Okay. Um, great answer. Um, I really am not. I'm going to be thinking about that until tomorrow morning. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the draft. Um, before we get into some of the guys you've done some wonderful in-depth scouting reports on recently, um, some of whom we talked about, like, we covered generally in the last podcast, but I think we get maybe a little bit more in-depth on some specific issues in this one. Um I want to start with this. Given where the Knicks are at and the fact that they have RJ, who is, I don't know, is he your second best player? Is he your third best player? Mitchell Robinson, who is, I I, I don't, I mean, he's Mitchell Robinson. Um, and then like other stuff. Um, is there, is there a world and I guess maybe we have to get into Wiseman to answer this question, but is there a world where you are not going best player available for this team? Or does that maybe change depending on like what position 
Like, is it best player available if they play position like A, B, and C? Um, like, what what do you think about that? I think it's pretty much just best position available. Like, I don't think Wiseman is even the best center, really. And we, we mentioned you mentioned that last time, and we'll get into that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this team needs talent, and I think that just kind of like wh- whoever is in the front office at that, like you know, when the draft comes. Um, and whoever's doing their homework now, that's really the angle that they should be uh, attacking this from. I'm going to ask it a slightly different way. Um, is there a particular skill that you feel the player that they draft, like, and now we're really getting into already the nitty gritty of some of these guys probably, but the, the player they need to draft has to have, like, that like you know i mean obviously the thing that and we always talk about it the thing i'm thinking of is like shooting like would you if there were two prospects who one prospect was like maybe a little bit higher on your board in terms of just generally but the but the lesser one was let's say a better shooter and i don't know if this situation is even applicable to the, these guys but like do you see what i'm i'm going with there is that would that situation change your mind or would you like basically regardless of any of that would you be like, I'm going best player available for this team? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I would just go with best player available. And I think the way the roster is kind of constructed, at least from the youth perspective, it's pretty easy to just pick someone and go from there. So whether it's um, like LaMelo or uh, Anthony Edwards or, um, you know, Carl Anthony or Killian or whoever, I think they can take him and then you could just kind of work with that. And I think RJ, if he, if he's shown like one thing on offense that he didn't really show last year that much, it was that he's like very willing to play off ball. Um, and I think that's huge, but I mean, uh, you, you obviously have to be able to shoot. I was about uh, to but, say, are you, are you, I, 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 again, I know you don't watch every Nick game and obviously he's been out for now almost, I think it's, I think it's actually two weeks today. Are you buying the shot any more or less than you were around this time last year for RJ? I bought the shot last year. I just didn't like, I didn't think he was going to be some 40% three point shooter. I think my scouting report, um, I think it said like somewhere in the mid thirties. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. So like I, I bought that. It was just a question of whether or not he was going to be willing to um uh to like buy into that role. Um Which he has, which you're you're right about that. He has. And I, I and quite frankly speaking just from you know, being around him a little bit this year, he I I think he's a guy that whatever you told him, like this is gonna help you guys win games. I, I really do genuinely believe he would be, you know. Yeah. At the very yeah, I mean, least, he's a competitor. He's a professional. Like yeah. he, he's been in the spotlight since he was like 15, 14. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, I like it. Okay. Um, I'm, I, it's my show. So I am going to decide where we start. Um, I want to start with Cole Anthony. Um, so you've, you've done, um, four scouting reports. Um, I believe over the last, uh, two weeks, and every one of them I read, and I was like, I was excited kind of going into it. And then 
I got to the end and I was like, uh, um, no, <laughs> nothing against you, but it's just, that's how I felt other than Cole. And I feel like the knocks that you have on Cole are things that I can more easily see him getting over or past or whatever you want to say it. Um, because my, again, I'm, I'm boiling down essentially like seven pages of writing into like two sentences, but he seems like a guy who has a head for the game. He's a, like, he is a hard worker and he's, he's a shooter and he's like a ball handler. And even though, um, he's not like a, obviously a LaMelo ball level passer because no one in this draft is, as we've talked about, he seems like he's like, there's no question about whether he's a one at the next mm-hmm. level. So that's what I got from your report, and we could talk about his warts too, but like where am I off base or like where where might I come back like and be like, oh man, I was wrong about Cole Anthony or however you want to take this discussion. I'm going to leave it up to you. I think we'll start with the passing then. Um, so LaMelo is like, you know, if if he's not, if, if Luca and Trey and, and like if that level passer, if those guys are like 10 out of 10s or if Luca's a 10 out of 10, then Lamelo's either a 10 out of 10 or as close as you can get without actually being there. Um, so then when you relate that to someone like Cole, Cole is maybe like a six. Um, so, you know, somewhere around there, like, What's, you know, give me, so I, I, I need an NBA comparison. Um, actually, I don't need it. I, so I get what a 10 is, but like, I mean, I, I could give you one. Like Frank, so when I hear that, I'm like, okay, so if I was comparing him to like Frank, because like I think of Frank as like a six and a half or a seven, is that, mm-hmm. so Cole would be like a little bit worse than Frank. Uh... Or maybe I'm over overstating Frank's. I like, to me, I see a guy, the way you're describing it, I hear, I hear a guy that like has some touch and mm-hmm. like, we'll see what is there to be seen but like won't ever make a pass that like, for instance, you make the pass before the, the guy gets to the place where the pass is going or like, pa- you know, I, I guess pass a guy open would be a different way to say it. Like is, right. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, he's a see something and then react. I think Frank actually might have a little bit of a better passing feel, just seeing things slightly before they happen. Um, I think Frank has the edge there, but Cole's able to, you know, equalize that just because, like, he's very athletic. And the amount of pressure that he gets into the paint, it sucks in the defense. Even if he's not able to, um, you know, drive, stop, you know, plant his left foot and hit that, uh, hit like a, you know, uh, right-handed whip to, like, the opposite corner or something like that, he can keep driving to the paint. And he's at the rim before you know it, and he could just have little jump pass to the corner. So the same pass is getting done. It's just, it's a different way. When we talk about passing vision, I feel like for, and again, I'm, I'm not the, the connoisseur of this stuff that you are. I feel like there's the conversation about what do you see versus when something is there that is maybe not easily seen, but is it's, it's more obvious the just ability Mm -hmm. to make, that pat that the that pass the right way every time like uh, 
are, am I correct to have those as two separate conversations? Even putting Cole aside, is are those those are like two different things, right? When we talk about passing vision. Can you repeat that? Actually, so like <laughs> I lost I, track first. Okay, yeah, because I don't, I barely keeping track of this myself. When I think of passing, I think of like okay, passing vision, passing a guy open, mm-hmm. right? Seeing passes that aren't there necessarily. You know, maybe when the ball leaves your hand, or like that most guys wouldn't even see versus like there's a pass that a guy will see and it'll be it'll be like a more obvious pass but it will still take a certain modicum of precision to like make the pass like i i think of those two things as like their own entity so to speak mm-hmm. um am i correct to think about them as like different things or are they all do you kind of group yeah. all that in with in okay yeah, no, I think there, I mean, there's vision and I think vision is just kind of, um, you know, it's, it's how you see the court, but then if you want to take that, I guess a little bit, you know, from a different angle, or if you want to expand that, um, there's what the special passers can do. And that's, as you were saying, you can pass it open. Um, and then, I mean, in order to obviously make those passes, you have to you have to have the precision. And I think the precision, at least in my mind, is more um, touch and accuracy. Yeah. So like everyone has some type of vision. It's just not everyone has that ability to see um, see what's going to happen. And then everyone has touch. It's just not everyone has elite touch or very good touch. Okay. Gotcha. Um so would that be you think the weakest part of Cole's game, the passing? Uh I also noticed yeah. you put like his finishing around the rim wasn't great, but Yeah, I'm not concerned about that. Not, I kinda not am concerned. not either. After I got done reading your report, I'm like that for whatever reason that doesn't bother me given how you describe the rest of his game. Yeah. I mean, so Kobe White didn't really finish well around the rim last year either. Like he wasn't bad. He just wasn't good. Um probably around average and he had a much better team around him with more spacing Cole's team and Roy Williams's offense is entirely dependent on him and his ability to get into the paint. So while it is true, he's missing, you know, a corner pass or he's missing a drop down. His finishing ability is not because he can't finish, but because as you know, you guys can see in the scouting report, he's literally surrounded by like at least two guys, three guys, sometimes four guys, every time he's in the paint. Um, so like, I, I think that's going to get better. I don't think he'll ever be, you know, a 60% guy at the rim. I don't think he has to be because he's a pretty relentless attacker. Um, so in terms of, you know, his biggest weakness, I guess it probably would be his, his passing. Like, I don't think he's a bad passer. I would just, he's closer to like a Kyle Lowry, uh, Damian Lillard, I guess before, like this season or last year, just like an, a younger Damian Lillard in terms of the pass he can make. Um, the, do you, th- I mean, obviously you, you haven't seen the kids medical records. Do you have any sense whatsoever of if the knee thing is, is like, will scare off teams should scare off teams? Like, would it, would it, bo- how much would it bother you? Like, where are you at on that? Or are you anywhere on it at this point? Uh, I mean, so I forgot which slack it was in, but the meniscus injuries tend to worry me a little bit more than ACL injuries just because. Which is what he has. He has a meniscus. Yeah. Yeah. And when you tear your meniscus, I mean, someone can correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong, but the cartilage in between 
like in your knee, it gets thinner and thinner, which means eventually you will have bone on bone, which is very bad. And then there's just a lot of pain that becomes a pain tolerance thing and you're gonna have to maintain and all that. Um, so if you want someone who can play at a high level for, you know, six to eight years, um, nine years, like you take him and you just roll with it. And then, you know, if he ends up leaving, um, you, you'll have his medical records for his entire career up until that point, then you can make a judgment call on whether or not you think it's going to be worth it to keep him or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd be worried just, just generally, but there's something about him that makes me think that he's going to end up falling to like eight or nine or 10. Really? And then, yeah. Like after just because of the medical records and probably people are going to look at the finishing and say, you know, he's not a good finisher, which is crap. Um, <laughs> and then he's going to end up being underdrafted. And then some team towards, you know, the back end of the lottery is going to get a very good player um, who will be on their team for, you know, 10 years or whatever. It just, he, I, I, I just have, I like, I'm looking at the kid. I just, he doesn't strike me as someone that's going to fail. And I know I don't have one hundredth of the scouting eye as you do but it's like if you give me a kid that's ultra competitive and he can shoot and he can handle the ball and he can pass a little bit like i'm that package in the league in 2020 and moving forward is like i'll, I'll buy that package and i'll i'll worry about you know the rest later so okay yeah i mean like worst case scenario he's a bench scorer who can defend what team wouldn't need that I mean, you're talking to the guy that um, wants to sign Fred Van Fleet to a like $300 million contract this offseason. So, um, again, <laughs> preaching preach, preach the choir. Um, so, okay, that's Cole. Um, you've also, I'll let you pick the next one. You've also done in-depth scouting reports on Denny, uh, Abdija, uh, LaMelo Ball, and James Wiseman. We talked about Wiseman for well, actually. Let's get Wiseman out of the way. We talked about Wiseman for a while last time. Wiseman hasn't played a game since we spoke. Um, you talked about how you weren't really a big fan of his. It did any and and for, I mean, I don't know if you want to give like a brief synopsis of why you weren't a big fan. But like, so let's do that and maybe say has any opinion of yours changed after you went in depth on him uh, for your scouting report six days ago. So bigs who don't provide much value besides playing in the paint. Sorry, bigs who don't do anything besides pretty much playing the paint don't have that much value unless if you're like a Rudy Gobert type. You need to have some, and he's just like an outlier rim protector. He's an unbelievable screen setter, diver, everything. Congratulations, Uh, Rudy, by the way. Three years overdue. Oh, yeah, first all-star. Yeah. Yeah. Way, way, way Um, overdue. Yeah. Yeah, but like he doesn't have any of those outliers outlier skills that true game-changing centers have and do i think he can potentially become like a pretty good catch and shoot player or someone who can have that in his bag yes do i think he will be able to score efficiently off of jump shots no do i think he'll want to i mean i don't i don't really know like penny hardaway did a really good job of keeping him pretty much contained inside the paint besides I think he took like six jumpers or something, but I didn't really like any of them except for, I think he had like a, yeah, I think he had one from the free throw line. That wasn't bad. Um, 
but I'm just kind of worried that he's going to go back to the way that he was during AAU, which was like an inefficient big who who demanded touches and didn't produce. Like his, I think it was 52 true shoot, 52 percent true shooting, which is atrocious for anyone, let alone a seven foot, 240 pound big playing against people much smaller than him. Although then you know you obviously have the other five star recruits. And, and um, I know this was like a very small sample size, but there is nothing I love more about the scouting report than assist percentage 2.94. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you really can't make that up. 2.94, which I think would be the lowest in the NBA right now by um, like double. Um, and the low turnover percentage. What's that? Didn't pass. Low turnover percentage too. Didn't pass, didn't turn it over. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't look. I I don't want. I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to talk about. If you're if you're listening to this and you're a fan of Wiseman, it's like we all have our hills that we're gonna die on. I'm gonna die on that. Mitchell Robinson is gonna be a franchise center for the next decade, and um, and that's that's my hill. So if you don't like my hill, you don't have to stay on it. Um, anything else you want to say about Wiseman before we move on? Um. No, I mean, just generally, I think he'll be a good pick-and-roll player. I think he'll be a pretty good drop big in defense, even if he does have some pretty bizarre like awareness issues he has to figure out. I just don't see him being a game-changing player, someone who you can actually – someone who you should be looking to take in the top you know, three or four and expect him to change your franchise around. I just – I don't think he's that big. And with the emphasis on perimeter creation right now and uh, you know, passing, shooting, and all that, I don't really think – you should value a center over um, someone who can, in theory, do the other stuff. Let me let me just ask this before we leave. I know I said we're going to move on. Does he play hard, or is is that a question mark? Um, I mean, he, he plays pretty hard. Okay. Uh, yeah, like during AU is kind of uh, winged and waned, I guess. Waned and waned. You know, it came and went. <laughs> Wing, but, winged and waned. Uh, <laughs> Whatever that saying is, uh, no, I love I've it. been up since three o'clock in the morning. I mean, um, I go with ebb, ebbed and flowed, but it it's waned and something. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Yeah, it came and went during Memphis. I thought it was pretty good though. Okay. Um, yeah, like he he used his size well. He tried dunking pretty much. It seemed like every time he was in the paint, and I, like I like that from a big. Okay. All right. Okay. So James Wiseman, everybody. Um, okay. Actually, hold on before we move on. Um, a quick word. Um, we have a couple of uh, a couple of very fun ad reads today. The first of which is from our friends at the Athletic, uh, and of course, when I talk about our friends, I mean Mike Vorkanoff, who writes about the Knicks and does a wonderful job uh, writing about them. Um, I actually have not yet read his piece today, which is, I believe, based on the um, sell the team chance that emerged last night, but. Um, his piece before that was on the art of the lob and Mitchell Robinson, which was great. Had a, a bunch of great quotes and um, video and stuff. He's awesome. And of course, the only way you could read uh, Mike Vorkanoff is if you get a subscription to The Athletic, which is a real sports news site for real sports fans. Um, they were kind enough um, and it was absolutely the right thing to do. And I'm happy they did it because I read a bunch of them. Uh, made all of their Kobe Bryant-related pieces um, absolutely free. So that was really wonderful by them. 
Um, and anytime you subscribe to The Athletic, you're reading stuff that has no ads, no pop-ups. It's no clickbait. It's just it's just great sports writing. Um, they also do Q&As and all kinds of other stuff. They, make a, they get you a personalized feed. It's all wonderful. For 40% off, this is the good part, 40% off a yearly subscription, um, theathletic.com is where you're going. And then it's slash overtime. So one more time, that's theathletic.com slash overtime. O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. If you don't have The Athletic, what are you doing? Um, it's really good. Uh, okay, who are we going to next? Um, we talked about LaMelo a decent amount last time. But again, you you he was their first scouting report that you did this time around. And... I don't know what it was, but I came away from our podcast the first time feeling like, oh, I'm I'm pretty high on Lamella Ball. I, I, I would like to get Lamella Ball on my team. And then I read your scouting report and something about it. I, I, I love how you're laughing at me. It's because I texted you this. I'm like, something about this rubs me the wrong way. And I don't. I, and this was not. And this is not me saying that you that is how you intentionally wrote it. I just maybe it has more to do with like my sensibilities is like what I look for. Like what? So where? Let's do an, a, a recalibration. Where are you on on Lamelo after going in depth on him? Um, I mean, I, I was actually going back to our text message to see if if I said this, but I thought I did. Apparently, I didn't. I came away after the scouting report higher on him than it was before. Yes, you did. You did say it. Maybe you said that to me in like Slack or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was like I just kind of so up to up up until the point when I was writing the report, I had watched every game at least once, some of them twice, and then after that, it was you know I've seen everyone twice, some three times. So I've seen everything, and it's not probably not healthy, um, <laughs> but. Like basically, I thought the defensive concerns were a little bit over, um, overanalyzed. Can I, I stop you that, there for a second? Because you just keyed me into yeah. one of the things that annoyed me, which was you wrote that his his off ball awareness was like not great, and that mm-hmm. like I don't know. That's something that when I hear that's a red flag to me. And maybe that's just because I've watched one too many backdoor cuts in my life, or I've been watching Alfred Payton for too long this season. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like, are you're are you not as worried about that? I guess. Um, so I might have actually probably been a little bit too hard in the report on there. Okay. Um, he he's not he's not Lonzo Ball off ball. <laughs> Um, you know, like Lonzo, Lonzo, I think is a great team defender. Okay. So like LaMelo is not that he's not going to blow plays off just, you know, by getting in the passing lanes and making perfect rotations. Um, weens and wanes. I, Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. reading the report. Weens and wanes. That's, and it's in reference, by the way, pertinent to this conversation about LaMelo Ball's effort. I'm there sorry. I had to, I had to say that. Yeah. Um, that like worries me. Defense. I'm sorry. It worries me. I'm, I'm, no, no, it's it's fair. Um, like he'll make a good rotation, and then instead of actually doing anything, he'll just kind of like swipe at the ball, and that kind of pissed me off. Um, 
Yeah, but that pisses me off too. So how are you saying this to me? And then you're also yeah. saying that you're higher on him. Like where there's something you're not because, saying. No, it's it's the man defense. Like the footwork got better. Um, like so he was caught out of a stance that did happen, but he still has the length. And then part of the reason why his defense was kind of like cooked from you know the analysts and they were saying how he's not a good defender was at least in my opinion, because of the three-point defense. And then when you actually go down and go back and watch the shooting um, that happened when he was defending them, they hit some pretty like remarkable shots, like bank shots, you know, shots expiring off the dribble that they had no business making. Okay. Um, so it's me thinking, I guess, partially that his, as good as he was, as good as he is offensively, like that ability to see things before they happen, some of that, will leak over into defense. Okay. And then his man defense will improve. Okay. That's, that's fair. You've, you've, you've got, you've picked me back up a little bit. And then, so, but here I, you're going to have a tougher challenge because you know, I, you know how I feel about non-shooters and I know you mm-hmm. didn't characterize him as a non-shooter, but it, again, after reading this thing, um, and yeah, it's not, and, it, and this is kind of, why I asked you the the question to start the pod that I did, it's like, I'm okay. So I have two things that I am fairly confident are going to be here for a while. And it's Mitchell Robinson and it's RJ Barrett. And I just, I'm sorry. I feel pretty strongly that I want my primary ball handler to be a guy that can, is a threat from outside. And that I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the shot selection was an issue. That was the other thing. Um, See, the, you're yeah. bringing me back down, Spencer. What are you doing? So, so I think shot selection is something you can coach out of players, at least to a certain extent. Because you know, we saw last year RJ was taking some pretty pretty bad shots, and he's played off ball a lot this year. His shot selection, I think, has actually been pretty pretty good. Oh, that's at least been pristine for more or less. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think the shot selection will improve. So then it's just a question of whether or not he'll be able to you know, tweak his form a little bit and start hitting jumpers. And I said this in the piece, I think, but if you want to buy the shot, you buy it because he has good touch. Um, and because he's, he's streaky now, even with, you know, the weird form. So. Let me like, ask you this between the finishing and the outside shot, which are you more confident will come around for him? Uh, Hmm. Or, or is the answer neither? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe equally. I don't know if neither, because I do think he'll he'll be a decent shooter to where you can't just go under him every time, and then that's that's going to end you know the pick and roll, or you can just completely ignore him off ball. I mean, he shot pretty well, if I remember correctly, on catch and shoot. Um, and we should say, yeah, by the way, Lonzo, Lonzo. I mean, look, they're not the same guy, but Lonzo started as a rookie. He was thirty percent from three. Last year he was thirty three percent. This year he's over thirty five percent. So, it, but I don't know. Do we even have to like? They're two different guys. They just happen to be brothers. I don't know if that's even a factor. It's you know these are all things that I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think he'll be around thirty five percent in time from three. Okay, um, and that's including off the dribble and then catch and shoot. And the off the dribble part that intrigues me is that. Like you see these flashes, 
where his form doesn't look perfect, but the fluidity and and I was texting with Cole about this actually a couple of days after I wrote the piece, but like he was pointing out the energy transference from like the foot all the way through the release. It's just like you see these flashes of just pretty much like, you know, perfect. Like it's so smooth all around. And so that's why you're going to buy the jump shot. Um, and I, I mean, I, I do think it will come. I, he's okay. not going to be Steph, but he doesn't have to be. He has to be you know, 34 to 30, I mean, hopefully better than 34. We'll say like 35% on, you know, four threes a game, five threes a game. And then if he can hit that level, his passing will, you know, it'll do the rest. Yeah, I, um, you know, and the other thing that I don't think we talked about last time because I didn't know, and um, I'm assuming, you can, can you confirm, you have agency here listed as CAA, is that, that is correct? Yeah, that's what I found when I was Googling it. Okay. Well. I hope it's correct because I sent this out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, we'll assume that it's correct. Um, you know, obviously the, the dad has has talked about what he's talked about. Um, we don't need to go into the history between CAA and the Knicks. Um, one, one more thing I want to add. Sure. Um, so the thing that really put me over the top, I put this in the beginning or the, the top of the second page after the shot charts. Yes, yeah, so I'm looking at him right now. His the net rating. Um, so I mean, I'll read it. So for the season, he had minus six point four, which is actually the third highest on his team for players who played seventy five plus minutes. Aaron Brooks was minus ten point one, including minus thirteen point four in the game. Oh, sorry, he was minus ten point one, and then Lamelo was minus thirteen point four in the game Brooks played. But in the games without Brooks, he was a plus two point five, which is the only positive rating on the team. So he's an impact player he can make guys he can make the team go even without the shot right now and i know it's the nbl but he's also playing with less talented players too okay yeah i'm back i'm back i'm back, I'm back. <laughs> that's, what, that's what did it for me i am so i am i have the 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 spine of a jellyfish um it is it's just pathetic um it it really is uh okay uh, let's, um, let's go. Okay. Let's hit Denny and then we'll, we'll do one more ad and then we'll, um, I want to hit on some of the other guys that, um, especially someone that we, we were asked about after the last pod that we didn't get to. I just want to touch on him quickly. So Denny, um, is the most recent scouting report you did. Denny Avdija, um, who is, uh, Israeli, um, and is, is very good. Um, you have him here as a playmaking forward. Um, and I, te- I read this and I texted you, uh, afterwards and I'm like, I feel like I just read a scouting report for a young Mario Hazonia and you, mm-hmm. you weaned and waned in response to that. <laughs> so t- <laughs> what, why am I not, why is this not Mario Hazonia? Uh, Mario's thing, if I remember correctly, was like, I remember reading like stuff online about just his attitude and how he was very lackadaisical. He was incredibly cocky. Um, he wasn't very well liked by guys on his team. Uh, so that should have been like a red flag then. And he also never really had, I mean, just off the top of my head, I don't really think he had much success in international leagues before coming over. Um, you know, his shot, 
I think he was a better shooter, except I also think he was insanely streaky before coming to the NBA also. Okay. Um, but in terms of like, like talent, I do think Denny is a good deal better on both ends. Like Mario, he was a good passer overseas or a solid passer overseas. Denny is like a, a legitimately good uh, passer. Okay. Uh, and then defense, Mario never really tried. Um, <laughs> just, that's just kind of like what it was. And Denny, he tries and he like, you know, he definitely makes an effort. And sure, there are definitely athletic limitations with him. He has short arms too. I think he has like a six nine wingspan or six ten wingspan. But I'll take trying over that's if Yeah, I mean th- yeah. that's that's a good chunk of it. Um that can <laughs> at least raise is. your floor. Yeah. Um is he but, is, is he a four? I think I asked you this last time, but I forget your answer. I mean he's a three point five. Is it yeah, it just kind of like depends who he's guarding. Okay. Um like I don't want him chasing guys around screens, but if you want to put him on, you know, a Chetty Osman or um I don't like a Harrison Barnes, like, you know, the the other three and a half type players. Gosh, I, I hear you. Okay. Comfortable doing that. Um is there like a a bogey? possible outcome here a, a bigger bogey um but bogdanovich in sacramento obviously is that or is that too much to expect uh i mean i don't remember him when he was 18 i just remember him just before he came over and he was a much better player then okay. but he was also what 21 or 22 when he came over so and Denny is going to be 19 when he's drafted yeah yeah 19 and 90 not even 19 and a half so he's he's a kid yeah. Um. Okay. Is it what? What's your? What is the one thing that you're? What's your, like? The one big takeaway you have from from Denny uh, after doing the report on him? Uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv is kind of screwing him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um. I really think he should be getting more minutes, and I think using him strictly as like a catch and shoot player and someone who's cutting while he can cut and over the last i think his last 53s he was 18 of 38 sorry 18 of 50 which isn't great but 36 percent isn't bad either um i like i think they should use him a little bit more on ball because he can see the court very very well like he's a very good passer he makes really nice reads to the roll to the opposite corner he can he has some whip passes in his bag um he loves pass fakes like he's a good passer for a forward and they're just not using him. And the shot, uh, I know most people don't buy it because I mean, like, honestly, there's no real reason to, uh, he's not a good free throw shooter. He's never really shot well from three, but when you, when you fix the, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just kind of making the sample size what I want, but when you get rid of the end of the shot clock heaves, um, the shot is better. And then like the percentages go up a little bit. And then when you just look at the minor minor mechanical things that you can do with this form, that will improve it even more. Like, you know, in the, in the scouting report, I have how he scrunches his body sometimes. That's a, that's something he, he can change. And I think that's something he can do pretty easily. And then when that happens, it should go up a little bit more. Okay. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm higher on the shot than pretty much everybody I know. And 
<laughs> that's an island I'll die on. I'm okay with it. That, that's hey, listen. We all have our we all have our islands. One one more thing before we go on him. Uh, you know he's a very good finisher. Obviously he's seventy six percent in the restricted area. That's not including post ups, which is obviously phenomenal. Um, are I'm assuming most of those are on cuts or a decent number of those are on cuts. Um, but you also note that he can finish through contact. Is this someone that is maybe going to get to the line a little bit um, in the pros? It, or I mean, I, I, just, I guess that would depend on what kind of team he's on too. But like where that this part of his game is kind of exciting to me. Yeah, um, it would depend on the role. You know, with Maccabi again, he's playing entirely off ball, so he's not really having much of an opportunity to like attack the rim pretty much. But then when he's playing more of an on ball role, his, his free throw rate goes up. Um, I think it was somewhere in the high thirties, maybe this past summer or low forties. Okay. Um, which is good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's not, he, at least this year, he hasn't really created for himself when he was playing the U 18s or U twenties. He was, but he was also playing as guys smaller than him. But his touch is nice. Uh, he's strong. He's he's pretty physical in the paint, going through the basket or going to the basket. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, if this guy gets drafted by the Knicks, it probably means a different front office is here. So I, I I'm going to say if they draft this guy, you know what? I might be okay with it. Um, if they draft it, that probably means that David Blatt is running. Oh. Oh, and he's another guy who I was told by someone who coached in Israel last year that he is like, you know, I don't want to bring up, I can't bring him up. Otherwise I get upset, but he has that sort of like, I'm going to stay after practice after the games and just, you know, work my ass off. I listen, you don't have to say his name. We we all know who you're talking about. I'm still super sad about that. I mean, (sighs) We all are. I mean, his yeah. numbers this year, notwithstanding, and God, there are some ugly. <laughs> there are some ugly numbers. Um, I I stand by what I've always said about him, which is he's he's going to be really good. Um, Wait, I was talking about Kobe. You, <laughs> I, I meant like, like, like he's he's that same type of attitude. Where oh, you know, I thought we were talking about KP. Because no, when I no, I, I meant. I always, yeah, I always I mean, think of um, when, because when you said staying after practice, I think about KP's quote when he first got here, which is like, uh, I get to come. What was it? The thing about they, he asked for like the key to the practice facility, or like, yeah, you know, like the first, they'll, they'll yeah. keep the light on for. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But um, yeah, oh man, no, no I, I hey, listen, I'll take any Kobe comparison. That's um, that's not bad. Uh, I'm not, I'm not comparing the game. I'm comparing that like that, that fire maniacal, and, yeah. yeah. Like no, he has listen, that. Yeah. You you want that. Um and I love the picture you found of him. He seems very excited. Um okay. One more uh quick break and then we're going to finish up. So, um very very excited for this one because this is a new a new sponsor. Um and it's a good one. Um because so like Daily Fantasy Sports is literally everywhere. It has become a multi, I don't know, trillion dollar industry. So um, check out, if you're interested in DFS in any way, shape, or form, forecashsports.com. One more time, uh, since it's a new sponsor, I'll say it again. It is for, F-O-R-E, cash, C-A-S-H, sports.com. 
So what Forecast Sports is, is basically DFS and betting insights. So what you go to their site and they it's a subscription-based platform, first of all. And what I like about it is that you don't have to buy like a whole subscription for um, a, a year or a month if you don't want to. Um, you could actually just get a subscription for like a day if you want to try it out or a week. And they do offer month to month subscriptions as well. It basically is a better place to get advice on daily fantasy sports than anything else that you're going to find. And whereas, you know, if you wanted to go and like keep up to date on all different trends and data and news and information, um, you'd have to spend like hundreds of dollars literally on monthly subscriptions and they are offering prices that are way, way, way under that because they get all those subscriptions and they basically consume it and digest it and spit it out in a way that you're going to be very, very happy that you have a subscription to them um, because it's going to help you win in your DFS leagues. Um, the other nice thing about Forecast Sports is that um, – so. Obviously, you're not always going to win your DFS stuff, but they also have like games that you could do or like contests, I guess would be the better way to say it, um, on their site that are like one day only um, contests. And you get you basically get to like pick uh, answers to certain questions about whatever the biggest game of the day is. And they have a thousand dollars up for grabs each and every day. So you subscribe for DFS uh, daily fantasy advice. And on top of that advice, you get to play for a thousand dollars every day. So um, you can get a free trial. So if you're listening to this and you're like, eh, Macri has me mildly intrigued. Um, it's a free trial. No credit card required when you select one day trial and enter the code one day, the number one and then D A Y. And you can actually literally just do that right now and take your shot at um, $1,000 tonight. Um, so one more time, the free trial code is one day. And if you like it, then you could use code NYX uh, for $25 off each month for the life of your subscription. I think the monthly pay, the monthly cost is um, $89. So you get $25 off that. It's like, you know, it's a pretty good bargain. Um, one more time, that code is Nix, And one more time, the name of the site is 4, F-O-R-E, CashSports.com. Um, I'm excited. I may get a uh, free trial tonight and uh, test my luck for $1,000. All right. A couple more before we get out of here. I just want to run down um, Tankathon's mock draft. Uh, they now have Wiseman at 1, Anthony Edwards at 2. Obviously, Anthony Edwards has... Um, is number one on most sites. Are you, we talked about Edwards for a while last time. I don't think we need to say much more about him. Has your opinion changed on him in any, you know, big way since we talked about him? I honestly don't remember much about what I said. I um, mean, you were like, you know, eh, you were like, okay, sure. Yeah. He's number one, but like, he's not someone who I'm super excited about and I'm still not. And I actually started my deep dive in and I'm like, 2800 words in but this is probably not going to be released publicly because i think i'm doing i think i'm actually doing the one for the stepium with someone else okay um but uh i mean i i like the shot the percentages as with Lamelo are partially due to the fact that he is the only perimeter player for uga 
Um, okay. Like he is their engine. Um, the passing is not good at UGA. They're not really using him much on ball screens. But then when you go back and you watch his stuff with the Atlanta Express during AAU last year, um, as, you know, I posted the video yesterday and he's making some pretty, pretty nice live action passes. And I love my live action passes and what passes. <laughs> But um, who wouldn't love their live action passes? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a shot ma- he's a shot maker. He's a shot like he he can make any shot that he takes, and he is a huge tool bag in terms of like you know step back, side steps, uh, hesitations, like everything he could pretty much pull off of going either hand. And I love the release, uh, it, but with him, it's just like it's the question of can you get a coach to rein him in, and that's still that's still my question because. You know, if you have, there's a fine line. I mean, maybe not anymore, but like earlier in their careers, there was a fine line between someone taking the path of a Dion Waiters, although Edwards, you know, you don't really have to worry, I guess, about uh, staying in shape, and then taking the path of someone like Victor Oladipo. Okay. Um, so it's just, you know, which which way will he go more towards? Interesting. Um, is there a world where you're taking Cole Anthony or LaMelo Ball uh, ahead of Edwards? Uh, I mean, LaMelo, yes. Okay. LaMelo is number one right now. Like, as of January 30th, he's wow. on my board. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, Cole, I can see it. I just think it's a little bit harder of an argument to make because he's almost two years older. And, like... I think also part of the reason why the translation from high school to college hasn't been so great for Edwards is because he was playing like he was supposed to be a senior this year in high school. So he's essentially playing up two years from what he or one year up from what he's usually playing against. Okay. Um, so, you know, instead of playing against seniors, he's playing against college freshmen, juniors and um, freshmen, sophomores, juniors and seniors. So I think there's still that adjustment period, but I'd probably still have Ant a little bit ahead, but Cole, Cole's definitely in that, like that. Th- those two guys and Killian are all pretty close. So that's who I'm excited to talk. So we're gonna we're gonna mention the last two guys I want to talk about, unless there's somebody else you want to mention, which I obviously we can. Uh, are Killian Hayes and Tyrese Maxey? We if we talked about Killian last time, it was in passing. Um, you sent me some stuff on him. I came away wildly impressed. He is ranked eighth on Tankathon. Um, I mean, it sounds like you have him quite a bit higher. Um, why, why isn't Killian Hayes in the conversation for like one of the top three picks um, in most places? Uh, I mean, again, he's not. I feel so. I'm a big believer, and you can develop a jump shot if the form's not broken. Um, regardless not regardless completely but if if there's a reason to buy the jump shot like you know if the form looks good if the free throw percentages look good if he's shooting off the dribble um i'm pretty much going to buy it as long as he's not shooting you know like michael michael kid gilchrist um killian he's not a very good catch and shoot player and that's really where his that that i think is pretty big in terms of bringing him down on boards and then he's not a great athlete either so you know, if he were to be, if he were a 35%, 36, 37% shooter from three, instead of, um, you know, 31 or whatever he is now, 
that would change. If he were an explosive athlete and still that low shooter, low 30 shooter, um, he'd be, he'd be higher up on the boards. So I think it's just, he doesn't have one negative. That's, that is apparent to the eye. He has two. Um, it's just a, whether or not, you know, you think he can improve, uh, in one area, if not both. It, um, so he's not a great athlete. He's not a great shooter right now. He's not a true point guard. Um, is that, um, I'm, I'm assuming that based on. No, yeah. Killian's a true point guard. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's a true point guard who can play I think he can play off ball, except he's not, you know, a real movement shooter. Okay. Um but I do think he'll be a good catch and shoot player because he's shooting, you know, ninety something percent from the line and he has good form and he's already shooting efficiently off the bounce. So that's just a reps thing in my mind. So if you're maybe I should ask it this way. If you're selling Killian Hayes, what are you selling him on to to someone who might be interested in him? Um, yeah, he's, he's an elite passer. He's, he's not LaMelo level. He's close though. Um, he's got good size. Uh, he's got good touch around the rim. He's strong. Uh, he can play on ball and off ball. Um, he seems like a gamer. Is he a gamer? Like, you know, like stepping up in big moments. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. (laughs) I just, uh, like I was watching clips and stuff, and he I don't know I just get a sense from the guy that he's like there's some I, there's some about the guy he that plays I like with passion yeah plays there you go passion. maybe that's it um yeah I mean he also didn't play for the French national team over the summer and he was suspended then from the French leagues and so now he's playing in Germany there's a lot of things you can sell him on and then there there's the easy buy in the shot also and then even the athleticism he's a much better athlete this year than he is last year and even though he doesn't have some super high ceiling he's still improving he's younger i think than anthony edwards or you know around the same age so he's essentially high school senior too okay yeah because he's only 18 and a half years old right now so i guess he is if lamello is the youngest anthony edwards is the second youngest um killian is the third you know or actually no him and him and anthony edwards are like right born right around the same time um that's that's encouraging we got to talk briefly about Tyrese Maxey because we got a bunch of people who, after we did the last pod, we didn't mention him at all. They were like, why didn't you talk about Tyrese Maxey? Um, I watched him uh, shortly after our last podcast. It was whatever game Kentucky was playing that Saturday, uh, or maybe it was the week after, I forget. And he was he was, seemed fine. He seems like a, you know, fine. Um, what, you know, like, it, it, is Tyrese Maxey fine? anything more than fine or like what, what, what is he? No, no, he's a, uh, he's a complimentary piece, but it's funny. Cause I actually think if you want to give RJ more of a hand, a ball handler duty, uh, a ball handling role, he'd be a good fit. Um, even with the, you know, the percentages from three, he, he's, I'm looking at a shot chart now. He's one for 18 on, uh, the angled right three. Oh, that's great. Like that's what you like want. that. That's, that's not, Right. Like he's, he's been a good shooter before. It's just, he, it's like he forgot how to shoot this year. That's, that's, um, you know what? Speaking to a Nick fan, you want to sell a Nick fan on something? Yeah. Speak to someone yeah. who's watching guys come into their building and suddenly, like Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington could shoot 40% in his sleep blindfolded coming into this year. And this year he can't hit the far side of a barn. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't need to draft the guy who has forgotten to shoot before coming to the Knicks. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, 
the way I see it, if you're going to draft someone who you can play in like an on-ball, off-ball score, um, why not just take Cole? Like, Maxie's a better defender. And, um, yeah, but you said yourself, Cole try like it, you're not your yeah. effort isn't the problem with Cole. Yeah, that's not selling me on a yeah. reason to. I mean, I, I would, yeah, like I have Cole above Maxie. Maxie's someone who I'd probably take closer to like eight, nine, you know, around that area. Okay. I'd, yeah, I need to figure out my board because I have very vague ideas besides like one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Um, no, that's yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about Nico Mannion. I'm, I'm all about Nico Mannion. Um, as it, it doesn't sound like he's a starting point guard in the NBA. Although, you know, who knows? Um, but I, 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 I like him. Um, all right. We, we've been talking for just about an hour. Um, is there anybody else that we should talk about before we get out of here? And I'm sure you're going to forget someone and I'm going to forget someone and someone will yell at us, but we, we will do at least one more of these before, um the draft because it is what is it it's the last day of january yeah oh my god we're gonna do probably more than one of these before the draft yeah whenever you want i'm i'm definitely ready if if i'm not with anyone which no i hope i am i hope you are too um we always have Um, we always have to couch that um but anybody before we get out of here is there anybody else you want to mention um so i mean people online have just just been like asking i guess so really quickly tyrese halliburton I like his game a lot. I don't really think, again, he's another guy who you'd play next to RJ if you want to give RJ more of an on-ball um, responsibility. His Tyrese is very similar to Lonzo. Um, he's not a half-court creator, except he's definitely taken on that role this year a little bit more with a, with a crappy Iowa State team. Um, but you know, he's a good defender off-ball. He makes some, some actually nice half court reads it's just it's the scoring that worries me a little bit why does that worry uh, just because how important having an engine is as like in the backcourt like you need someone who's going to constantly be putting pressure on the team unless if you have like a legit system and based on the next recent track record with coaches or head coaches i don't really know if um if I would trust someone like that. And then again, you're giving RJ the ball full time and I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know about he, that either. Like he, he's a, he's a fit. That's more like team based, I guess. And I don't think he okay. really fit with the Knicks, but he's also someone who can really fit with any team. If there's, if you have the right pieces around him, uh-huh. <laughs> competence folks, but here we, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to have. Uh, let's see. Um, RJ, I don't really think the Knicks are even going to look at him. That's based on nothing, based on nothing I've heard. I just don't, I don't think they'd really have interest in him. He's not really a playmaker. Um, he's a good defender. Uh, he's pretty easy buy for the shot. Also, um, I just, he's more of a two and I don't really think, or I mean, he's a two or like a 1.75, you know, he's a combo, but he's closer to a two. Um, I just don't really think he's someone who the Knicks will really be looking at. And then um, talk about Theo Maladon really quickly because I know Schwinn loves him. Sure. Um, Let's do it. Got to make yeah, Schwinn happy. Exactly. Or he'd <laughs> yell at me in my DMs. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he's, he's not someone who I guess I would really take in the lottery. And 
just value wise, why would you take some? Like, I think his ceiling is capped. Um, why? What what caps his ceiling? He's a combo, but he's he's like a good passer. Um, he's a solid shooter. He's a solid defender, like when he wants to be. But he was also benched earlier in the season because he just basically didn't give a crap for a little bit. Oh, that's um, always wonderful to hear. Yeah, um, I don't know, like. I, I can't really get myself to take Theo when I think he has the potential of like a low end starting point guard, but a more realistic of like being a solid backup um, when you could just find a solid backup in the second round. And then with the first round pick, you would take someone who has much higher potential and it doesn't have to be a point guard. It could just be anyone, you know, like Isaac Okoro or whoever. Yeah. You like Okoro. Uh, I know that. Yeah. Then, uh, I don't know. Uh, the next scattering report, I think I'm putting out. So I'm working on Killian and Anthony Edwards with uh, Zach from also the Stepian. Um, I was going to release my Anthony Edwards one, but then I forgot I was doing it with him. So, yeah. But um, Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, I still think he's the best shooter in the draft. And he's someone who I would, I would look at, I guess, if the Knicks somehow get another pick in the mid-first round. Um, um it, paging uh Marcus Morris and the yeah, Clippers right. si- simultaneously. Um, I mean he's look he's he's currently mocked at thirtieth. Uh, the Clippers pick uh is currently slotted at twenty seven. Um, hey, shooting. <laughs> Why would we want that? I don't know. Maybe. So, so his like his synergy page is is nuts. And I know synergy is not awesome. It's not great. But when you have a shooter who's 99th percentile on offense, which is unbelievable, spot up 92nd, off screen 96, transition 88, handoff 97, sorry, 95, and then ISO because he, he just pulls from three, uh, 97. Then there's uh, long, so three point jump shots, 99th percentile. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I think we're going to need to keep Marcus Morris for locker room leadership for another um, <laughs> another two. You know, I mean, listen, he, I mean, clearly he is. Uh, I mean, if those weren't words of wisdom um, after the Grizzlies game, I, I don't know um, what what yeah. would be. Uh, trade the fucking guy. Could get the get the pick. There is talent at the bottom of the draft, even if it's like or, bench or talent. future pick. Whatever, get fucking get a get. I I this is the thing that I've turned around on most this season. Um, is the like I was actually on the fence, le- like legitimately on the fence of like trade versus keep Marcus Morris. Um, and it, it wasn't all last night, and we, we don't have to talk about it. But it's just, yeah, it, it, trade Marcus Morris. Get 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 whatever you're gonna get. Um, yeah. All right, we, we've been talking for far too long. Um. Uh, Spencer Perlman. Um, I don't even think I, did I say your name at the beginning of the podcast? <laughs> what the fuck that was? Um, if you want to see Spencer's scouting reports, um, you're going to go to the which is the Stepien S T E P I E N. Uh, if you're listening to this and you don't know the Stepien, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, Denny Cole, James, uh, and LaMelo are up there. Um, if you want to go back and read his scouting reports on Grant Williams and Brandon Clark, both the Fumer doing quite well. Um, you could see those as well from last year and he'll have more coming 
Um, also, follow Spencer on Twitter. Um, if you're again, if you're listening to this and you're not following Spencer on Twitter, I, I don't know what you're doing. It's like when nine point five out of ten Twitter feeds will make you dumber. Um, why not follow someone who will make you smarter and doesn't get into like unnecessary arguments? Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I listen. I'm I, I'm literally on like your I'm Twitter page. Using, What'd you say? I'm, I don't use Twitter properly. I've been told because I don't get into pointless arguments with people. But well, I'm happy keeping with, keeping the page with one exception. Um, but we we won't go into. Oh that. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so you. Yeah, I'm looking at your Twitter page right now uh, where you lead with uh, a clip of uh, Mr. Edwards making a nice pass, right? Is that That's Anthony Edwards making this pass against uh, Kentucky. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the only live-action pass I saw this year, and this is, oh, man, this is beautiful. In between, like, three defenders and the fourth one coming from the weak side, oh, man. Yeah, this kid's the first pick in the draft. I, I'm, I'm I, probably. I, I, it's, it's, yeah. Um, okay, Spencer, you're all. Anything else you want to say uh, before we get you out here? Uh, no, just like keep your eye out for the stuff. The Neesmith one, I'm hoping to put out tomorrow, and then I'll try to get another one done, hopefully to put out on Sunday. Um, but I mean, I'll put them out as long as I can. Um, and hopefully, I always say this. I always end the pod with this. Hopefully. This is the last time we talk, and you don't put out any more scouting reports because if that's the case, uh, you know what that means. Uh, yeah. Spencer, you're the best. Um, I'm sure I'll text you within a half an hour of getting off here. But until then, uh, I bid you adieu. And, of course, everybody out there um, who took the time to listen to uh, this episode, uh, we appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, thank you. And uh, I hope you have a very enjoyable weekend. Uh, there'll be another episode out um, very soon. I'm actually not sure if it's dropping Monday morning or Tuesday morning, but it'll be uh, it'll be soon. Okay, that's it. Talk to you later. Yeah.